Have you ever had the experience where someone who was once very alive to spiritual things went dead? I have. It, it's an amazing thing to see. There was a woman in our church group who was very alive and wanted to hear things of God, wanted to know things of God. She was with us for 39 years. But the last few years, I noticed a change in her. I would call her on the telephone. She didn't live in the same city where I live. I would call her on the telephone. And when I shared things of God with her, she got very silent and said nothing. When I finished telling her the thing of God, she said nothing. But if I started talking to her about a recent movie, she got very excited and joined in the conversation. This woman went dead to things of God. Jesus said that would happen in the last days. He said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, and I think it's the love for the word of God. It could be the love for another person, but I think it's mostly the love for the word of God. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. It has helped me a lot to keep scripture on my photo album, my Kindle photo album, because it is all grouped together and I can develop a habit of looking at those scriptures first thing in the morning and praying and asking God to help me with the day and to have me do that which he wants me to do and then go through those scriptures and reinforce the way of God as I see the way of God by the scriptures. At night, I like to end my day by looking at those scriptures that I have collected on my Kindle photo album. I can turn it on and just go from scripture to scripture and reinforce my way of life, I can examine myself to see if I've actually done those scriptures. I change the scriptures every once in a while. God will give me a new scripture. Sometimes I copy scriptures off of the blog, but I keep it before me day and night, and I do it much better, frankly, since I'm in the habit of doing this on my Kindle photo album. I make screen prints of scripture. I make screen prints of the blog, of scriptures on the blog, and keep those before me to refresh my thinking, to set my way by the way of God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let us look at that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As I am recording this, we are coming into the presidential elections for the United States. In a couple of months, people will vote to see who is president. I noticed on the NFL channel a caption underneath the picture saying the NFL has contributed a certain amount of money to encourage voter registration. That is a way of the world. The world will consider that to be a good work. But we are told to keep ourselves from hating one another. And when you get involved in politics, that's one of the fastest ways that I know of to hate. Because are you really going to be involved in politics and go out and vote and not hate the other party? Aren't you taught to hate? The way of the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, I'm not telling you not to vote. I'm telling you I don't vote. But there's one thing that I do try to do. Let's see that scripture on what we're told to do. I believe it's 1 Timothy chapter 2. It is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, I exhort therefore... That first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. That prayer be made for kings and all that are in authority. That's one of the scriptures I put on my meditation scriptures in my Kindle photo album. Because I want to try to remember to pray for whoever is president. I don't want to be involved in voting for a president. But I do want to try to do this scripture to pray for whoever is in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Be not conformed to this world. This world wants you to choose sides and vote. I just think that's going to stir up hatred. I don't see how you choose one man without disliking the other man. I don't want to be involved in this. I won't be involved in it. Oh, if we were in Nazi Germany and they forced us to vote for Hitler, I guess I would, because my flesh is awfully weak. But we are not forced to do this, thank God. As a born-again believer, it's sort of like I'm on this world, but I'm not of this world. It's like... I'm watching sometimes what's going on, but I'm not really a part of it. And I think that's scriptural. 
I certainly read about Abraham being like that in um, Hebrews 11. Start at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. In the early 1980s, I was in Paris, France, and it was just so peaceful. I would sit on the park bench overlooking the Seine, and people would walk by chatting, and it was so peaceful. When I got back to the United States, I realized why it was so peaceful for me in Paris. I couldn't understand the French language, so when these people walked past me chatting, I didn't know what they were saying. It was just peaceful sounds. If I'd known what they were saying, it would have probably been about like sitting in the United States and listening to people. It's anything but peaceful when you can understand the language. If we look at Second Peter chapter 2, we read that Lot was vexed constantly by seeing and hearing these people of Sodom. Verses 7 and 8. And God delivered just Lot, vexed, with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God knows how to deliver us, but we are vexed by them. Aren't you vexed when you hear certain commercials on television or see certain commercials on television? Half the time, women are naked. Half the time, they're so suggestive in evil ways. Aren't you vexed when you try to turn on the nightly news program I'm troubled every time I turn it on. I, I'm interested in hearing what's happening, but it troubles me. And half the time I have to turn it off. And I say, why do I look at this thing? Nobody's forcing me to look at this news. It's a curiosity. But it troubles me. It troubles me to see the evil. Well, I think you really have to kind of watch yourself and... Cut back on it. Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. We hear it. The world won't hear it, but we hear it. We hear it when they're trying to get us to hate somebody. We hear it. 
They're stirring up the flesh. And when you stir up the flesh, you're going to have trouble because the flesh never does anything good. The flesh never does anything good. It's only the spirit that does good. You may not want to believe that, but if you will read Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, Paul tells us exactly what the works of the flesh are. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, which is superstitions, living by superstitions, hatred, variance, which is to vary one with another, debating, striving, emulations, trying to beat out the other person, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilings, partyings, and such like. Paul says, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. One of the great problems of the end times is the preaching. Because instead of warning us about sin and trying to get us to be alert, they're trying to make us comfortable as we live on this earth. I have heard that what they do with a lobster is put the lobster in the pot of water, turn the fire on under the water and the water begins to heat and eventually boils the lobster to death. That's kind of the way it's going right now. The preaching makes you feel relaxed and comfortable. I will make you feel uncomfortable because I'm a prophet and I'm speaking warnings. I have a gift of exhortation, a gift from God of exhortation. Exhortation means to urge earnestly by advice and warning. Therefore, when you listen to one of these podcasts, you're going to usually hear a warning because I'm anointed by God to do that, to wake up the church. He doesn't want us to go to sleep in a pot of boiling water. We have to be aware of sin to protect ourselves. We can't steep ourselves in sin because then, it will get to be looking normal to us and we'll be swept away by the sin, thus Jesus says in Matthew 24, because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold, but he that endures unto the end, the same will be saved. Paul said in Romans chapter 7 that he was persuaded that of his own self, of his own flesh, there was no good work. If you're sitting around thinking the flesh is going to improve because you're reading the Bible, you are wrong. The flesh continues to hold to the works of the flesh. It is the Spirit of God 
that leads us in the way of God. And there is always a struggle inside us between the flesh and the spirit. What we want to do, flesh, versus what the Spirit of God reminds us of, which is of God. There's a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. Look at Romans 8 for a minute. Start at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. When we are in Christ Jesus, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 tells us that. We have the Spirit of Christ living in us, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reminds us of things of God. The flesh has a desire to do the works of the flesh. These are contrary one to the other. But if you walk after the Spirit and what He says to do, there won't be any condemnation. The flesh wants you to tell that person off. Put them in their place. The Spirit will lead you in opposite direction unless you have a warning from God for the person. You might say harsh words to the person by the Spirit of God. When all the scribes and Pharisees and people came out to be baptized of John, what did he say to them? Oh, you generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath of God? That's pretty harsh, but that was an exhortation from God through John the Baptist. Normally, when we want to tell somebody off, it's some kind of irritation of our flesh that that person has done. God has shown me the best thing to do when my flesh is irritated by some secular thing. The best thing to do is to begin thinking of the things that person has done that have been a delight to me. When I begin reviewing those things and I'm thankful for those things, the other flees. The devil will also try to get us to fight the flesh of the other person. So there's this struggle between our own flesh, things brought by the devil who team up together, and the Spirit of God who always takes us in the way of God. But if you can choose to recognize, if you can recognize the Spirit of God and the way He is prompting you to go and go that way and deny the flesh by not letting it go the way it wants to go, then there's not going to be any condemnation when you walk after the Spirit. I can give you a solid example on this. I had been meditating in a scripture in Ephesians chapter 4 for several weeks when this happened. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up that person in Christ, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. This happened to be at the time that Mrs. Clinton was running against uh, Mr. Trump. 
in the presidential elections in the United States. I am extremely non-political, but I became interested in that election. I got to fancying with things like, well, what do they call Mr. Clinton? If she's the president, will he be called the first man? Because we call the wife of the president the first lady. Well, then do we call the husband of the president the first man? Well, that may be just foolishness, but that's what I was thinking. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting. So I got to watch a newscast about that election. And the more I watched the newscast, the more interested I became in who would win. I can't really tell you that I was for either side. I was just watching it. But I was affected, as you will see by this story. At that time, I went across the street to visit with my neighbors. As I sat there talking to them, I wanted to say, and what do you think about the election? But because I had been meditating in this scripture in Ephesians, as well as having the Holy Spirit bring it to my attention, is this really going to edify those two people? Or is it going to cause the fires of hell to break forth? Are they going to be edified in ways of God and things of God if I say, what do you think about the election? Or is it going to stir up evil? Well, it's easy to know it's going to stir up evil. But that didn't cause me to not want to say it because I did want to say it. I sat there with them and I was shocked at how powerful this was how much I wanted to say, and what do you think about the election? And I was fighting it. I was turning to God. I was saying, please don't let me say this. I was remembering this scripture. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the youth of edify, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Finally, I just got up and went home. I did not say, what do you think about the election? I left their house to keep myself under control. God makes a way of escape in temptations that we may be able to bear it. That's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation but that which is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able but will make the way of escape where you may be able to bear it. There is a way of escape if you take the way of escape. In that case, my way of escape was to leave their house and go home. But I saw how powerful the flesh can be. And I also saw how we make the flesh suffer when we refuse to let it do what it wants to do. That is called suffering in the flesh. There's scripture that says, if we suffer with Christ, the word. Well, we suffer with the word by following the word and not letting the flesh do what it wants to do. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, 
In other words, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He went to the cross because it was the will of God. But three times he called out to God that if it be possible that this cup be removed from me, he didn't want to go to the cross. But he saw it was the will of God. So he went to the cross. Well, we have the same thing going on. We suffer in the flesh when we refuse to let the flesh tell somebody off. When we refuse to let the flesh commit adultery or fornication. When we refuse to let the flesh speak spicy stories that entice the flesh. When we refuse to do those things, we suffer in the flesh and we go in the way of God. So it says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered in the flesh for us, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. The flesh is wanting you to sin. Well, certainly you cease from sin if you don't allow the flesh to do what it wants to do. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So it's a matter of we control the flesh by the Spirit, by walking in the Spirit, by doing the things the Spirit of God tells us to do, by going in the way of God. It makes the flesh suffer because it cannot have its own way. But the flesh never improves. It is always flesh. It's sort of like an animal. Looking at an animal, does your cat ever improve? Mine doesn't. Does your dog ever improve? Mine doesn't. They're flesh. They're 100% flesh. Well, we have that same flesh that we live in, but the Spirit of God lives in us too. So we yield to the Spirit of God and resist the flesh by that which the Spirit of God shows us. Back to Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now many people are in Christ Jesus, but they walk after the flesh. But if we refuse the flesh and walk after the Spirit, then there is no condemnation. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. We cannot do these things by the letter of the law, by our own thinking, but when the Holy Spirit is in us and reminds us of something and we follow that and crucify the flesh in order to follow the Spirit, 
sin is then condemned. And the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us when we follow that which the Spirit of God shows us to do. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So which are we going to follow? We have flesh bringing us ideas. We have the Spirit of God in us bringing us ideas. If you choose the ideas of the Spirit of God and follow those ideas, there's no condemnation. Verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh, walking after the flesh, after the ideas of the flesh, cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that ye have the Spirit of God dwell in you. I mean, if you're following the Spirit of God, then you're in the Spirit. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. He will remind you of something of the Spirit of God, that you can go in the way of God. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Don't follow the ideas of the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh and those ideas, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, put to death, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. It's a matter of following the Spirit of God and what He says to you and resisting the flesh and what He wants to do. Now, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The ones who choose to be led by the Spirit of God, but I know Christians who stop being led by the Spirit of God and begin choosing the flesh and have been completely swept away from God, turned over to a reprobate mind by God because they would not keep the things of the Spirit of God in their consciousness, in their mind. And Romans chapter 1 says this, Verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness and those evil deeds. That's because they kept turning the Spirit of God down and following the flesh. I've seen that happen. It's dreadful. I know it can happen to any one of us. You can start out in the spirit 
and then start following the flesh. That's deadly. That is absolute death to do that. And if you do it enough times, God could turn you over to a reprobate mind and remove Jesus from the inside of you because the Apostle Paul told us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 5, Paul says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? If you are a reprobate, turned over to a reprobate mind, Jesus is removed from you. The fact you're listening to this podcast makes me think you still have Jesus. This is a warning to each one of us. The end times will be very bad, very difficult, with iniquity abounding everywhere on our televisions, in our communities, in our church groups. Iniquity abounding everywhere and then Our own flesh encourages us in the way of the flesh, which is death. Therefore, we have to work to endure. Closing with the statement of Jesus concerning the end time. Because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold, but he who endures to the end, the same will be saved. Overcoming. Every one of the churches in the book of Revelation, all seven churches, the one commission to each one of the seven churches by Jesus was he that overcomes. He's the one who will receive the things of God in heaven. The one who overcomes. The only way we can overcome is through prayer and following the Spirit of God, doing the Word of God. Rejecting our own flesh and the world. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.